Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, with God, all things are possible, right? Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. We're glad that you're here. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care for us, and Lord, speak to our hearts today. Lord, let your word come alive in our ears and our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Several years ago, uh, we had part of our church family had a loved one that passed away. Uh, The Sullivan family, Bob usually sits right over here to my right. He and Hazel and his dad's name's Pat. Wife, uh, Pat's wife was Dodie. And so there was Grandma and Grandpa Sullivan. Now, they didn't attend our church, but the rest of the family did. And uh, so Grandma Sullivan passed away. So I went up to their home, their house, and I was going to just give my condolences to the family and visit with them and see, you know, how they were doing and what was going on, if we could help in any way as the church. And so Pat and Bob began to introduce me to uh, Bob's grandfather, Pat's father, and, and said, uh, Dad, this is Pastor Mike. He's our pastor at Ray of Hope. And so Mr. Sullivan, Grandpa Sullivan said, yeah, I know Pastor Mike. His grandfather and I used to make moonshine together. <laughs> so in some way that embarrassed uh, Bob and Pat just a little bit. And, and I said, no, no, listen, I said, I'm perfectly fine. I've heard all these stories, you know, I know. And so dad told me that uh, there, there were times that, you know, when Kenneth and Bill and, and Jimmy and dad were very young, they, they would put the, the, the product under the porch to keep it cool. And so grandpa had a couple of these little apparatuses, and if you've seen those, have a long handle, and, and they put caps on bottles. And so dad and Kenneth and some of them said uh, when it got warm, sometimes it was really quiet in the house. You could hear under the house going. (laughs) So some of the the, the bottles would pop and the lid would blow off. So there are times in our life we don't want anybody to know some of our past. But how many of you know it's just better to get it out in the open so you don't get embarrassed or you, you don't get something you know, said that uh, you, know, you have someone to question. So I think when we hide things and we don't really share things and we sweep them under the rug, a couple of things happen. Number one, we actually deceive ourselves, thinking they're gonna be disappearing out of sight, out of mind, right? And another thing is that we you know, really aren't walking in the character and integrity that we should have thinking that we're going to hide something. And, and how crazy is it to think we're going to hide something from God? I mean, is that not just the ultimate craziness? Oh, yeah, I'm going to hide this and God will never, ever find out. Well, that's not going to happen, right? So this is Luke chapter 12, verse 2. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. So God is saying that there is always things that we want to cover up, but nothing that is covered one day won't be known, and and the things that are hidden are going to be revealed, and this is Jesus speaking, so why do we think we're going to hide something from God? And the answer is we're not. 
So we're starting a series this morning, morning called Under the Rug. How many of you have ever swept something under the rug? Okay, we have about four honest people in the house. Well, our ancestors began this. So the very first man and woman on the earth tried to hide their sin from God. So God said, don't eat of this tree, and they did. And the next time the Lord came down to walk with them in the cool of the evening, he cannot find them because they are hiding. And let me tell you something right up front. God sees through your fig trees and your fig leaves and the bushes and the rugs, right? So whatever fig leaves you have put on, God sees right through it. Uh, have you ever had one of those dreams? You dreamed you were naked in front of everybody? Y- 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 y'all are not normal here today. So everybody's had, you know, creepy dreams. But let me tell you, God sees our issues, and there's nothing hid from him. Can I hear an amen? So if you think you're hiding behind your fig leaves, uh, and many of us tried to do that, have you ever... Uh, not answered your phone when you knew who was on the other end of the phone? Or you didn't go answer the doorbell or the door when you knew somebody was at the door? Okay, I'm going to try it on my own here. Are you trying to avoid people that know who you are and what you've done? And none of those things really work well. Or we act like we got it all together. You know, I, I'm, you know, I don't have a problem. I got it all together. And none of those things probably fool anybody else, and they certainly don't fool God. So why do we do things like put them under the rug or we try to hide them? Well, you know, we can even do that to God, think that we're going to hide something from God. This is Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. You know, we, we serve a God that gives us mercy. You know, he's not waiting to condemn us in our sin. Now, he will convince us of our sin, but he wants us to bring it out of the darkness into the light so it can be dealt with. That's why God does what he does, because he wants us to live, look at the verse there, a prosperous life. So if you don't cover your sin, you will have what? A prosperous life. But if you do try to cover your sin, how many, how many of you know that's going to be problematic for you and for me? So we want to be in a place where we openly live a life of transparency before God. Now, I'm not saying you go out and share all your dirty laundry with everybody else. That may not be good for you. But I'm telling you, you need to be honest and transparent before God. So you don't have to come and tell me everything. We don't have a booth over here. You get in, close the door. Pastor, here's all my deep, dark secrets because I can't help you with that. But there is a God in heaven that can, right? So one of the most obvious accounts in the Bible is found in Joshua chapter 7. So if you want to flip over there in your Bible, please do. But I want to back it up to chapter 6. So here is the rest of the story. So in chapter 6, Israel has crossed the Jordan River. They're conquesting the land of Canaan, and the first obstacle they come up against is the walled fortress, the city of Jericho. So now Joshua is trying to figure out how do we take this city. I mean, it's very well armed. It's fortified, huge walls. God gives him the answer. You know the story. They're going to march around the city six days. Seventh day, they're going to march around, blow trumpets, shout. Wall's going to come down. 
And sounds good, right? But, but I want to just back up just a moment before that happens. God spoke to them and he said, let me just read it to you, all the silver, golden vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasure of the Lord. So when you go into the city, all the spoils of war are mine. It goes into the house of God. So this is called, uh, some of you hadn't heard this, but this is called first fruits. So God has a deal with us that the first fruits are his. And so this city is the first fruits of the conquest. And God said, so everything, the spoils of war value comes in the treasure house of God. Now, he says after this, all the other spoils of war are yours, but the first is mine. So that sets up chapter seven. So let me tell you how chapter 7 begins. Verse 1, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the devoted things. For Achan took of the devoted things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now if you have a different translation, it, it begins to talk about not just the devoted things, but the accursed things. So if we take the devoted things of God, misuse them, they become a curse to us. Because God wants his stuff used in the right way. So he says, this is mine. So there's someone in Israel that did not do what God asked them to do. So now we're in chapter 7, and now Israel is going to go to the next city. The next city is a very small city, kind of like Coram and Loco, uh, central. Um, do y'all know where these places are? Okay. So they go to a very small city. They spy out the city. They, they do reconnaissance, and they said, this city's not very big, not very many people, so the whole army doesn't have to go. We just need, you know, a certain amount of men, and we're going to take the city. So they go up to take the city, and this is what happens. That little city defeated the Israeli army 36 men die, sends them running with their tail tucked between their legs, if you get the picture. And now they're wondering, why could we not take this little city? And then Joshua falls on his face, tears his clothes, and he cries out to God. And he says, God, it would have been better for us to stay on the other side of Jordan. Are you going to let us be defeated by these Amorites? And then God tells him, get up. Get up. How many of you know there's a time to pray and there's a time to get up? And he says, get up. He said, there's sin in the camp. Someone has taken the devoted things and what belonged to me, they took and some of my stuff got into their stuff. Well, that'll preach. Is any of God's stuff got into your stuff? That's a whole nother message, so move on, preacher. So, God said, the sin in the camp, somebody took the devoted things, now it's become a curse to the whole nation. They can't conquer because something happened internally in the nation. So this is what the Lord said, you need to ferret out this, you need to figure out what happened. So now Joshua takes them by tribes, passes them before him, and God said, not in this tribe. Then there's the tribe, God said, okay, that's the guilty you know, people right there. Now he takes them by families and passes them before, and it falls on one guy by the name of Achan. And you've probably read about this. So Achan has to confess that he took some of God's stuff 
and he took it as his own. So we know that when these warriors couldn't take the city, 36 men die, the verse that I want you to see, verse five, therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. So they're so discouraged. So Joshua, as he prays, he finds out someone took the devoted things. Now this is the confession and the response of Achan. Chapter seven, verse 20, 21. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them, I took them, and they are here, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent with the silver underneath. So if you know anything about Middle Eastern culture, when they would pitch a tent, they would line the interior of the tent with rugs because they're not on the dirt. They would take the rugs, they would lay them out. So this is what Achan is saying. I took God's stuff, and I buried it in the middle of my tent, and I covered up with the rugs. Folks, it's not good for you to have something buried under the rug. So this is the quintessential, classic case of taking something, hiding it under the rug, and there are consequences of what that man did. Well, the name Achan means trouble or troubler. Now, I don't know if he got that moniker applied to him before this happened or after, but his name is associated with trouble. They named the place where they stoned him and they eradicated his whole household, the Valley of Achor. So Achan is the man, the Valley of Achor is the place. And one of the things we have to realize is there are consequences when we hide stuff we shouldn't hide. So here comes trouble. Anybody who's gonna hide something from God on a consistent basis, they're in for trouble. So I heard this story not long ago about uh, this western town, a new bartender had come, you know, swinging doors, the whole western motif. And, and so the townspeople came, they welcomed him and said, you know, you're going to do good here. here. Here's your new position, your new job. But I want to tell you, there's a guy who lives way out here on a ranch, and they, they call him Bad John. I mean, this guy is so evil, he's corrupt. I mean, this guy is a terror. And if you ever hear that big bad John is going to come to town and make a good song. But anyway, if he's coming to town, everybody just flees. They get out of town because this guy's a terror. So months go by and nothing happens. You know, he's getting into his new job. And, and one day, someone comes in, throws the doors open, and said, everybody get out. Big John's coming to town. And I'm people scurry. I mean, they're fleeing. They're running. Everybody's getting out of town. And all of a sudden, before he can get out of that bar, someone takes the doors, big hands, and rips them off, comes in. He looks out. This guy's riding a buffalo to town, whipping it with a rattlesnake. He comes in, 6'5", 300-something pounds, and screams out, give me a drink. He hands him a bottle, he breaks it off in his teeth, begins to drink, and that guy is so fearful. He says, uh, can I get you something else to drink? He said, no, I don't have much time. He said, Big John's coming to town, so I gotta get out of here. How many of you know there's somebody worse than you? 
But here's the thing. I don't care how big you are, how bad you are, where you're at. If you and I hide something from God, we're going to be in trouble. And we have this propensity in our human nature to hide stuff. Just like Adam and Eve, first impulse, got to hide from God. Try to get, I got to cover this up. And guess what? Everybody here is in that default mode if you give into it. And so we have to realize we don't want to do that. So what I want you to see here, Achan, not only is his life messed up and he's destroyed, his family has consequences for what he did. Have you ever heard this? Well, I'm not hurting anybody else but myself. I can do this, leave me alone, it doesn't hurt anybody but myself. How many of you know that is not a truthful statement? If I take this story, Achan lost his life. His whole family is destroyed. There are 36 men who died trying to take the town Ai because of his sin. There are 36 widows now at home that have lost their husband because of this man's sin. There are children at home that will not have a father coming home that day because of this man's sin. Listen, what we hide and what we deal with affects everybody. My friends, our country is reaping the whirlwind because of sin. And so we have to realize that we can't continue to cover up sin. Can I hear an amen to that? Because it affects everybody in our life, and it affects people you don't even know. Several years ago, I was doing a premarital counseling session with a couple, and Matt and I do that, and we try to... Uh, bring couples together, we're going to do the marriage, and uh, it, it, you know, it's a pleasant thing. We try to let them know this is some of the things you're going to face, and, and you know, if you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and you know, you've uh, never been married before, and you love them, <laughs> and you think, well, I love them, everything's going to be okay. Hang on, honey, some stuff is about to happen in your life. So we try, to, we try to counsel them. These are some of the things you can expect. You know, uh, here's some areas you gotta watch out for. So, so I'm, I'm counseling this, this couple. They don't go to our church. I, I don't even remember their name several years ago. And, and so I try to, and both of them had been married before, and I try to, you know, let them have some information that's gonna help them in the future. Uh, you know, is everything good? The family okay? The kids support this? Is anybody bringing any debt into the relationship that you don't know about? Uh, I try to find out, you know, why their other marriages, uh, you know, were dissolved or they failed. Uh, you know, it happens all over the world, but uh, what, did your spouse die? Was there adultery? Was there infidelity? Did they abandon you? So, you know, we, we kind of need a little uh, foundation so we can move on with this uh, new marriage. So somewhere in the middle of that marriage counseling, this guy reveals he had been married more than once that she never knew. How many of you know that's a revelation in the middle of the marriage? Counseling, before you get married. So he had hid that he had been married multiple times. She thought he had only been married once, and now that comes out in the counseling. They leave, and I say, y'all may need to go talk about this, and I never, ever saw him again. 
So he tried to hide that he had been married more than once, and now in the counseling session, she finds out. So whatever happened, I don't know, but let me tell you, hiding that under the rug was not a good move on his part because her eyes got really big. She said, what? The rug was lifted, and I don't know what happened. But I'm going to tell you, for every person here, we have got to watch how we deal with our faults, our failures, our sins, and our iniquities. Um, let me take you back to that time of Joshua coming over and, and Israel trying to come into the land. So they're trying to come in, and some of the tribes said, hey, you know, this land on the east side of the Jordan is pretty good too. We may stay over here. And, and then the leader said, now listen, we're called to conquest the land of Canaan, so if you still want to stay over here, you've got to go over and help your brothers conquest the whole land of Canaan. So this is the line that comes, Numbers 32, verse 23. But if you will not do so, if you won't go help them, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Oh, wow, listen. When I stand in judgment, I want the Lord to know everything that I've done. I don't want him to say, oh, oh, yeah, and you did this, this, and this, and you never told me about that, even though I knew. So this behooves us to be very transparent, very honest, very open before the Lord. So we want to make sure we don't hide anything under the rug. So th this is what happens uh, um, Sometimes it's small things, so we have a rug up here. How many of you know sometimes we categorize sin? So we take little things and we put under our rug and we think, well, that's just a little things. And so we hide it underneath there and so we hide this over here and so we take little bitty things and we hide them under the rug. How many of you know you can still get tripped up over little things? And then there's some bigger things that sometimes we do and we try to put them under the rug and we don't want anybody to see. We don't want anybody to know. And so we get you know, a bigger sin and a bigger sin. So I'm going to hide that. And I'm going to put this under the rug. And nobody will ever see it. Right? Nobody will ever know. I mean, you would never know there's anything under this rug, would you? <laughs> and here's the deal. We think we're hiding it from people. And they're saying, What? And now we have the audacity to think we're hiding it from God. And now we look around and we have this horrible lumpy rug. How many of you know you shouldn't live your life on a lumpy rug? Because it just shows. I mean, people know. Um, Carrie has been cleaning out our bedrooms uh, the last week. And when she cleans out the bedrooms... She doesn't just clean out the bedroom. She has to tear everything up to clean out the bedrooms. So there's pictures, you know, there's uh, memorabilia things. So we, we stop, we look at the pictures and the different things. And it's kind of neat, and you can tear up, you know, seeing your kids when they were very, very small. And so she, she pulls out a newspaper article from the Daily Oklahoman. She has a copy, she hands it to me. So when I was in college, uh, a couple of us guys were out one night, and we get in an altercation with the police, and there's gunfire and, and all kind of stuff. And so uh, we made the front page of the Daily Oklahoma. 
confession time from your pastor. So uh, she hands that to me, and I reread the article. And uh, so anyway, I, I got into trouble with the police uh, when I was in college. Um, so one weekend I came home from college, and, and I get into trouble with the police again in Duncan and uh, have to go to court. And it comes out in the, in the Duncan banner. I mean, you know, they put that stuff in the paper. <laughs> so it comes out in the paper and has my name in it, and I had to go to court. It cost me a lot of money. So Carrie and I are engaged to be married not long after that, and so I go over to her house for a family function, and her parents are there and her grandparents and other families there. And, you know, here is this guy who's had a lot of problems, going to marry your daughter and coming into the family. And I remember her grandfather's name was Elton, and I'm there at the family function, and her grandfather looks at me and said, Mike, I always wonder what your middle name was. How many of you think he figured out what my middle name was, where that source came from? Well, he read the paper. So he's let me know, hey, I read it in the paper. So I don't care what you've done. None of us are perfect. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the deal. Don't put it under the rug. I mean, we've got to just say, God, this is who I am. This is what I've done may not be best to tell everybody in the world, but I'm just saying, when you put it on the rug, you're going to live a lumpy life. You're going to trip over that time and time again. And you and I just got to say, Lord, here I am in my raw, in my sin, in my iniquity, and I want to confess it to you. Get it cleansed. Get it clean. So I'm not hiding anything from you anymore. You say, well, why would you do that? Well, let me give you two reasons. Number one, so you can have a clear conscience. You and I need to have a clear conscience. Life is too short going through life guilty. It is a blessing to go through life with a clear conscience. Can I hear an amen? The woman in the Gospel of John is caught in the very act of adultery. You remember that? The religious leaders take the woman... I don't know what they did with the man, but they, okay, that's another sermon. So they take the woman, drag her out, throw her at the feet of Jesus. We caught this woman in the very act of adultery. What does the law say? We know what the law says. The law says stone her. And Jesus stoops down, and he begins to write something on the ground. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. Maybe he wrote the Ten Commandments. Maybe he read their heart and, and wrote their own sin. And Jesus looked at them and he said, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And I want to tell you, the rocks started dropping. And guess who dropped the rocks first? It was the older man. Let me read it to you, John 8 9. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. You, you know what they knew? We've got some stuff under our rug too. None of us are perfect. We all have issues that we failed in. And Jesus looked at them and said, if you're without sin, then throw the rock. 
and the rock started dropping. And let me tell you why it started dropping from the oldest, because when you get any age, you know you got stuff. And it sometimes is hit in our life, and we need to deal with that. And Jesus said, they begin to deal with their own conscience because we have to know, this is Acts 24, 16, Paul is being brought up on charges, getting ready to be sailed to Rome. He's going to lose his head, we know, but before he is in that situation, he goes before the governor Felix. This is verse 16 of 24. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. You know what Paul is saying? I know the value of having a good conscience between God and people because I'm not trying to hide this. And Paul's very open. He said, he said I am the chief of all sinners. Why would Paul say I'm the chief of all sinners? Because he knew he persecuted the church of God. He consented to their death. He threw in prison those men and women that were worshiping Jesus Christ. And now he's saying, I had to confess that. I had to get over that. I had to bring that to Almighty God so I could have what? A clean conscience before God and men. He, he knew the value, Romans chapter 9, verse 1. I tell the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you get the stuff out from under the rug, you now can have a clean conscience. So valuable. Life is too short to go through dealing with guilt and shame, remorse, unconfessed sin. Here's the second thing that happens when we get things out from under the rug. We give no place for the enemy's accusations that are legitimate. That are legitimate because the enemy's gonna accuse you. He is the accuser of the brethren. He'll get the sisters too. Whenever the enemy comes, he's going to try to demoralize you, accuse you, remind you of where you failed, your sins, your iniquities, where you faltered. He is going to bring that up. But let me tell you, if you've confessed that, if that's under the blood, if the Lord has forgiven you of those things, guess what? He has no legitimate hold on you anymore. What I've done is I've taken the things out of the darkness and I've brought them into the light. So when I take them out of the darkness and bring them into the light, now, number one, I can have a clean conscience, and number two, when the enemy comes to accuse me of those things, I get to say this, listen, that's who I once was, that's not who I am today, that has been dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now the enemy doesn't condemn me in my sin because I know I brought that out into the light. You say, well, how does that work? Well, John 14, 30, this is the words of Jesus. I will no longer talk much with you. He's headed to the cross. For the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Don't you love it? The enemy's gonna come to try to condemn me and convince me to stop me. But when he comes, this is what Jesus says, he has nothing in me. He can convince me of nothing. He can condemn me of nothing. And guess what, my friends, because you're in Jesus, the same thing goes for you. Amen. The same thing goes for me. I, I can now say, oh yeah, that's what I did, that's who I was, but not today. And listen, the Lord can forgive you, but some people will never forgive you, right? They're gonna remember what you did, who you were, all the things you did wrong. Um, I, I shared just a little bit of my life, and 
there's more to those stories than what I shared, but um, I'm not trying to hide anything, but let's say you become a new believer and the people you hang around with, the people that were your friends and they can come to you. And this is what happened to me. Well, Mike, what are you doing now? Well, I pastor a church. And they go, what? What? Well, don't you remember when you did this? Don't you remember when you did that? Don't you remember when we went together and did this and that? And, and, and I say, yes, I mean, all those things are true. However, that's not who I am today, and that's not what I do today. So, so I'm not saying, oh, don't, don't talk about it. Don't, don't say those things. Don't talk about that. You know what I do? I agree with them. That's who I was, and that's what I did. Get it out from under the rug, get it out of the darkness, get it in the light. Yeah, I did all that stuff. But that's not who I am today. I have confessed that. I have been forgiven of that. That's not under my rug anymore. Listen, I'm not tripping over that anymore. I'm not condemned by that anymore. I have a clear conscience today because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And here's the good news for you. I don't know who you are today. Maybe you got some stuff under your rug, but here's the good news. I'll go back to the very first verses that I read to you. It says, but God has mercy. If you bring it out and don't try to cover your sins, you will, number one, prosper. Number two, God will give you mercy. But if you tried to hide it, not good, because you effectively can't hide it at all, because the Lord knows, doesn't he? He sees you know, I can't see it under this rug, but I'll guarantee you God can see it. And why would I say, hey, guys, nothing under the rug here? You'd look at me and say, something's under that rug. <laughs> yeah, there is something. Under you. you may not can see it, but how many of you know it's there? And now the Lord comes to our life, and he says, uh, if you'll give all that stuff under the rug to me, I'll, I'll take care of that for you. You won't have to trip over it anymore. You don't have to have people to say, uh, you sure got a lumpy rug. Oh, it's not lumpy. Uh, yeah, it's lumpy. It's lumpy. You can leave with a clear conscience, and you can leave and not have the enemy try to hold you hostage over something you did yesterday, last week, or 30 years ago. You can be free from that. And God can do that for every person here today. The first chapter of 1 John says this. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Prior to that, he said, if we say we have no sin, we're liars. And we make God a liar. How do you know we all have had sin in our life? And we've all done some horrible things. But he says, if we confess our sin, if we confess that to God, he will be faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Say that with me. All unrighteousness. Say it again. All unrighteousness. So whatever you've done, he is faithful to say, if you'll bring that out from the rug, I'll take care of that for you, Mike. And you won't have to trip over it anymore in your life. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. How many of you felt the presence of the Lord when we were worshiping this morning?
If you would stand with me today, we're going to do something a little different. I know that you're ready to slip out, but uh, let, let's just take a minute or two to allow God to do something special for you. How many of you for, for the Lord doing something special for you? As I said earlier, you, you don't have to confess anything to me. You don't have to confess it to Pastor Matt or Tanner or any of us. But let me just encourage you. You need to be transparent with God. God sees through our fig leaves. They hide nothing from him. And it's as simple as coming to him and say, Lord, you know, you see, and I'm asking you to do what your word says, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and all sin. And I want to tell you, you can leave out these doors different than you came in. And I know many of you have done that. And so we're just going to worship the Lord in it. So would you join me around this front? This is going to be an altar call for every one of us. I want you to come and in your own way, in your own prayer, your own worship, I want you to come all the way to the front as they sing. I want you to just talk to God. Tell them, Master, just talk to God. You, you can do it under your breath. You, you can do it silently. So they're singing. We're worshiping. We're praying. We're asking God to help us. I know this is different. That's okay. How many know different is good? So take a moment, and let's just get real with God. Would you do that with me right now? God, we worship you. Father, take our life, take our sins and our iniquities. Oh, we humble ourselves before you, O oh God. God, let our hearts be open to you.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's sing it to the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Isn't God good? As they play in the background, I just want to share something with you from my heart. I don't know anybody who's messed up more than me. I'm, I'm very intimate about my failures. I know them real personally. But thank God they're in the past. Thank God they're in the past. But we're a church. We're an army. It's not an individual thing, is it? We're, we're, listen, we're together. And I don't want anything to keep us from conquering the next city. I don't want anything to hinder us from the next battle or the next victory. So whatever I have under my rug, whatever I buried in the bottom of my tent that I never get to use. Do you know the Lord only said that for one city? Just this city's mine. And he said, all the other cities you can have. I just want this one. Do you know Achan could have come out with more than he ever thought if he would have just obeyed the Lord to what he said? You see, we're going to take our cities, we're going to take our county, 
This place is going to be full. We're going to have to build. We have classes that are full. We have ministries that are full. Because we are taking ground. So don't let anything keep you from your victory. Well, Pastor, I'm ashamed of it. God already knows it. Just say, Lord, here it is. I messed up. I'm not trying to be self-righteous. I'm not trying to be anything that I, I'm not. So all the stuff under my rug, here it is. So now loose me with a good conscience to go, to go embrace the enemy and take the kingdom for your name's sake. And how many of you know that's what we're going to do? That's what we're going to do. You're going to come here on Sunday and say, I better get there early or I'm not going to have a seat. Listen, I've already been through that. Already done that. Been through two buildings. We did that. This is the third one. This is the third one. We're going to do it the third time. Or let me back up. God's going to do it through you the third time. We're going to take our cities. We're going to take our county. We're not here playing church. This is a real deal. This is a real deal. This, this, this is not play. This, this is a real deal. And so we're going to see a growth and an increase. And we're just going to say, God, we're the people that you called. And you're going to use us to do this. You may not think you're worthy, but you're all God's got to use. And I'm all God's got to use. We're all God's got to use. And he's going to do that. So reach over. Take someone by the hand. I want just to pray a, a a benediction over you. I, I know this is different. How many of you know different's okay? But when, when we were in worship this, this morning, I just felt we, we just got to be raw and real with God today. Father, we stand in your presence, increasing your kingdom by your power and through your name. Lord, we're here to see your will done on this earth as it is in heaven. Use us. If there's anything that's hindering us, let it be removed. So that with a very clear conscience, we can engage the enemy and he has nothing in us. Because all power in heaven and earth is given to you and you impart it to us by faith. God, help us not to trip over the big things or the little things. Let's just get them out of our life so that you can shine brighter and brighter and brighter. And now, Lord, let your face rest upon your people. Lead them and guide them. Order their steps. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' holy name, everybody said. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.